Welcome into a special bonus match review edition of the Calcio Connection podcast. Connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. I actually have Inter gear on today. I've got my background picture set that I couldn't get working the other night. And we're Lazio heavy as well. Jerry Mancini and our good friend Nando is back on the pod. Uh, So we're going to review Inter's 3-1 victory over Bologna uh, from afternoon, North American time, evening Italian time. Had Lazio's midday victory, uh, two to one today over Spezia, and you know, guys, I- I'm going to have to vent a little bit here, Jerry, because I went out of my way to try and watch Lazio today. I mean, I Lazio, one of the few clubs in Serie A that I don't hate. That's one thing, and then the other thing is, you know, we talk a lot of Lazio on the show, and and I really wanted to uh, to watch the match to its fullest today. Nine a.m. is a really good time for me to watch football. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not always uh, too free around lunchtime. And you guys are both in Canada. I'm in I'm in uh, the United States. I'm down in Florida and we have different TV streaming situations for city uh, up there in Canada. You guys watch a lot of the matches on the zone down here. We watch most of the city uh, games on the ESPN plus streaming service and ESPN plus. They've had city uh, now for two and a half years. And I'm not going to complain about them too much because for the better part of two and a half years, the service has been fantastic, right? It's easy to multi-screen. You know, the stream quality is usually really good. But I don't know what it's been for the last couple of weeks. There have been a ton of outages in individual games. And I know it wasn't just the Lazio game today because one of my best friends is a big Bundesliga fan. And they they also stream on ESPN Plus down here. And those streams were having problems in the morning. So they've had random outages on ESPN Plus over the last couple of weeks. So uh, I, I was able to watch a highlight package after the game. Thank God for YouTube. But I, I couldn't actually watch from start to finish Lazio over Spezia. So, Jerry, I'll start with you on the match. Uh, Cheeto Immobile had the nice opening goal. Milinkovic Savic, God, that strike that he had on the free kick. Like, there, there was nothing the keeper could do. Like, he, by the time he saw it, it was in the back of the net. Uh, it did look like Spezia had, uh, they did score a goal, but they, they did seem to have a lot of quality chances. Uh, Bastoni hit a goal post. Uh, Pepe Reina made a couple of really nice saves. So, how did you feel, Jerry, about the flow of the match and how Lazio performed in victory today? Um, I'm not going to – first thing I'm going to say is this whole Luis Alberto and his attitude and he's pitching at his players and he's a changed player and he's not what he used to be. Get rid of him. Throw that shit out of the window, guys. If anything, if he's screaming at his players, if he's discouraged, this is a guy who's showing motivation. He's showing the willingness to win. I don't take it really bad. It's someone who's inspired to win, and that's it. Sometimes, yeah, bitching is not always the best thing on 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 the field. But we don't know what his demeanor is, what he's trying. Maybe he's trying to get his players to understand. Okay, I'm trying to pass in a certain way. I got the ball going somewhere. I don't think he was bad. He was rated third best from whoscored.com, and I think he had a good game, Luis Alberto. A lot of crisp passes he made. Um. It's unfortunate. I think that a lot of people read too much into what we see on the field. In terms of the match, the first half I thought Lazio looked 
they looked good. And, and Nando said a good point on Twitter today that Lucas Leva kind of looked invisible in this game. He wasn't really noticeable. And I don't think he had a bad game. I don't think he had a good game. This is a game maybe he should have sat out, like Korea being overused, too much being played. Um, a guy like Akpa Akpo maybe would have been better. I know it's not probably the same position or uh, Escalante coming in. Something like that could have could have really helped. Um, Chido Immobile, I thought he was our best player along with Sergey Milinkovic Savage. I, I tweeted out today. I felt that these two players were gonna have a strong performance. They did. With Sergey Milinkovic Savage, a lot of people were kind of skeptical probably in his past performance on Wednesday against Dortmund. He he looked a little sluggish. I'll be honest. But that 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 comes with the fact that. He hasn't played a lot in the last two weeks. I think that really took into factor that he had COVID, just came back, didn't play last Saturday, was on the uh, last Sunday on the bench for disciplinary reasons uh, or however you want to take it. He looked superb today. He looks really fit and form, um, really energetic, motivated. He, he really dominated the, the midfield uh, whenever the ball was in his uh, his space. So, and he mobile it. We said it yesterday, this is a guy who can score in any way. Capitalize on his chance. Uh, he probably had maybe could have scored maybe one or two more today. But for the most part, it wasn't the greatest performance in the second half. I, I felt that Lazio may have already started thinking towards Champions League. And with their last final game on Tuesday, I'm curious to see how they proceed afterwards because I think that you'll start to see the, the Lazio that people are waiting to see no, no about Champions League. I think that may not be a burden anymore. It won't be in the back of their minds once this game is done. And I'm just hoping that they win that game because it could be a negative effect going forward if they go back to Europa League. So, but Pepperinha, what what a signing that's been! And God, I think he's been so good, right? He's been, been really good. So confident. Uh, I love the way he plays on the ball. Like just sometimes a little too overconfident where. We, we move the ball from the back and it's just quick turnover. But overall, you know what? These are the kind of games that Lazio need to win when it's uh, when you're playing multiple games per week. So it's not always going to be pretty, especially when you play Wednesday. You got to play back on the weekend, play Wednesday or Tuesday, back on the weekend. So that that's another thing that it doesn't fare easy for, for any club. What did you think, Nando, of the match? Um, it wasn't a vintage display from Lazio. Um, well, thanks for having me back, guys. Sorry. Of How course, man. Thank you for joining. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, it wasn't a vintage Lazio match. I mean, like Jerry, you, me, like we've seen Lazio the last year just play fluid football, just uh, champagne football, we can call it. But like, I mean, look, they're playing every three days now. It's normal they're going to be a little tired, and it's normal that their heads are probably in Rome already playing Bruges uh, in order to qualify for the next round of the Champions League. Listen, like. And that's their goal. Like like we spoke about yesterday, Lazio is, has a, is a different monster in the Champions League. They play with metal. So, I mean, they probably took their foot off the gas against Spezia because they're not really a good club. But even though they really impressed me today, I was really impressed with Spezia. Like, these guys were playing hard. They were, they were winning all those 50-50 balls. And I think that's what made the fundamental difference in the way we played and the way they played. They... And they had more of that uh, panache, you can say, but we just had more individual quality. I think that's what stuck out this game. We have Chiro Immobile, we have uh, Sergei, we have Luis Alberto, we have guys like that that can make all the world of difference. So for me, it was a question of quality over, I guess, quantity for uh, against Spezia. So 
that came out. I mean, and uh, on that note, um, uh, what can I say? Yes, Luis Alberto is always good, Jerry. Like uh, he's just being unfairly chastised now by our very reactionary fans, as usual. Uh, the same fans that just don't like Vesley Hoot, who's been a great signing too. You know what I mean? It's like. Um, but yeah, like everybody's expecting that killer pass to Immobile, that vintage one-two punch from uh, Imo- from Alberto to Immobile. But like, you're not gonna have that every game. You gotta look at the other statistics, which uh, which he contributes to uh, to the game. Like Alberto is mm-hmm. very good in his own end. He re- he retrieves some balls. He gives those great long balls. He stops the f- he controls the flow of the game. Like not many people can do that. Like Laziale, please please be patient. It's like. We're talking about a guy who can string a killer pass anywhere on the field. Like people forget, like the third goal against Dortmund, it was his uh, ball from the center of the pitch to Immobile, which then assisted to Akpa Akpro. Like he does things like that. Like you know, you guys watch hockey. There's secondary assists too that which we don't count in football or calcio. So like, watch out for that. And yeah, Lucas today wasn't his most vintage performance. I mean, he at one point I saw him jogging like. He needs a rest. He's 33. Like he's he's uh, he's a well-seasoned warrior. Like we have Escalante, who we got in the summer that could have easily deputized for him. And yeah, but yeah, uh, standard win. It's a game we needed to win. Uh, anything less than three points would have been a failure. But on to Tuesday. And like I said, we're gonna spank Bruges four-one. And yeah, like, <laughs> I was just watching their highlights actually right now before this uh, before recording. They won one nothing. But what? When I was watching the goal, it was just they, it was against a low low seated team, and the commentator was saying wasn't a great performance from Bruges. Uh, they really haven't created any chances, and mm. I, I I do agree with you. I just think that this is going to be a vintage performance from Lazio come Tuesday. Uh, I, I hope, but don't want to get ahead of myself. But I I just I have this feeling I'm mobile it. He scored eight straight games now in all competition. Um, yeah, I think he's going to have a vintage performance. Like, did, there's something about Immobile that really stands out to me. It's his, his work ethic. I think that's the one thing that I always take, um, that I appreciate. Yeah, he can score goals. Yes, he can finish. But it's his work rate where he just, every game, like today, was the one guy visible who just kept on running kept on completing like forcing passes from the back end he he really clogs the end like the, the back end like he just does things that allow other players in the team to, to to play easier more flow football like i don't know just something about him where he's matured he, as a player yeah like in a, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing he has matured as a player you're right yeah, there, there's one there's one thing I got to ask you guys, because, you know, I'm a degenerate. And um, now I, I show a lot of restraint because uh, a couple weeks ago I stopped betting on Inter or betting in any game involving Inter because I'm a mush uh, and I wanted to stop bringing them bad luck. I think it's no coincidence they've they've uh, found better form. Uh, I did bet on Lazio this morning and I didn't lose, but I didn't win. I bet Lazio minus one. So uh, they won by a goal. It ended up being a push. Um, so w- what happened? Because Lazio did score a third goal that was disallowed uh, for offside, but I didn't see it. It was, was that a legit 
call by the VAR, or do you think the goal should have stood? By the rules, it's offside. By the rules, but like we, I had a good conversation with my friends, the Calcio guys, actually, Jerry, and my and my in my in my, uh, in my WhatsApp chat, and it's like. The game's evolved so much the past 20 years. It's so much faster. VAR is a great invention. Video-assisted replay is a great invention. But how like, excuse me, how the fuck is someone's fingers or shoulder going to cause an unfair advantage when they're running? Like, it doesn't right. make any sense. Like, adjust the rules. Okay, if his foot is over or his body is, like, 50% over, offside. But Jesus, like, Caicedo's shoulder is, like, inches ahead of, uh, of Spezia's uh, center back. And it, it, that would have capped off like a nice performance by uh, Andres Pereira with an assist. And again, he was called offside for his second goal, which I think his hand was offside or something. It was it was another ridiculous call. But like, yeah, these uh, it, it was the right call by the rule book, Alex. But uh, they they need to really revise these uh, these what what constitutes an offside uh, back then versus now, especially with VAR. It's like you can't you that I don't know. I just I'm lost for words. It's like. Yeah, sometimes I've seen an EPL where someone's finger was offside, and that's and they called it offside. It's like it's ridiculous. I think the whole world of football needs a revision for uh, for this. I guess this ambivalent offside rule that no one really understands. Yeah, I was curious about that today because uh, when I couldn't watch it live, I was following the game, and of course, I was really excited when I saw three one. I'm like, oh, we're covering, we're covering, and then they take the goal <laughs> off the board. But that was a, a really, and, and you guys said it, that was a must win for Lazio. Really important to get the three points there because, you know, the top half of Serie A is very crowded here. You know, now some games have played 10 match days, you know, some nine. So we're about a quarter through the season. Uh, and, you know, Lazio technically in seventh, but really tied for fifth uh, with their 17 points. Looking right up at Roma with a game in hand. Napoli at 17 points with a game in hand. Sassuolo on 18 Juventus, who labored for victory, but they did uh, get it today uh, against Torino in the derby, two to one. Jesus go. Christ! Don't know how I they mean, can do it all the Tur- time. Torino's just a useless team. It's time to Absolutely go to useless. They can't hold a lead. These guys, they can't hold a lead, and and they get uh, and and uh, Juventus gets bailed out by Weston McKinney and Leonardo Bonucci of all people. We would have thought it would have been Ronaldo to score two goals and elevate right. them. Fuck, uh, man, and I agree with him. By the way, the Caicedo goal was. Should have been onside. I agree with the whole arm thing. It's not the first time we've seen this this season. I don't know about the Pereira goal. It looked from what I saw, it kind of looked like he was offside. I, I, I won't, but I'm, I'm more convinced with the Caicedo goal. That was much more tighter compared to the Pereira yeah. goal. That that should have been a goal. I, I I don't know how you can. I agree with the whole arm thing, and it's bullshit. It's not the first time. I forgot there's other games this season where there's been similar instances, but um, I know one thing. Lotito is greater than Cairo. That's all I can say. <laughs> I love that tweet you put out there. And oh, I agree. Oh. I agree. Cairo shot himself in the foot, that man. That guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that whole debacle, did you see the uh, – I saw you uh, – you liked my tweet today, uh, Alex, of uh, Robin Gossens with COVID, but he had a low viral uh, – low viral. Yeah. That's basically so, – so, so, so how come Lazio gets treated differently from uh, – from um, Jeffrey Epstein's team, like, well, what is going on here? Because it's Lazio. We're, you know, we're from the capital. We're we're Southerners. Well, technically, we're centers, Central Italians, but like, yeah. Oh, it's it is it is what it is. I mean, everybody, it's Atalanta. They're Italy's. The city has like 
how can I say? What's the expression? They're like the, the Cinderella. The Cinderella team. Yeah, you know, they're they're everyone's favorite. They're the darlings of Serie A. You know what I mean? Like a team with small budget, uh, a lot of nobody players who became somebody's the last few years. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, whatever. Uh, it's it done and over with. Gazette looks. They have they they have their foot in their mouths. Like Lazio came out clean. So. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get to uh, to Inter's three-one yeah. victory at home against Bologna. A lot of thoughts on this one. Uh, on the pitch, uh, solid performance. We'll we'll get to we'll get to Conte though in a second. Um, yeah, I thought for for Bologna, you know, they they didn't really have a whole lot of a spark today, but their goalkeeper Skorupski deserves a ton of credit. He was really good in this match. I mean, Inter did score three goals, but he kept the game a lot more respectable than it could have been. Had huge one-on-one saves against Lukaku in the first half, Alexis in the second half. And his positioning was always on point. He knew when to come forward and cut off crosses, you know, came forward and and cut off Lukaku on a dribble in the box. Uh, Skorupski played really, really well. Um, this was the performance, guys, that I've been waiting for really all season for Ashraf Hakimi. Uh, it's going to do wonders, I think, for his confidence at Inter because he's had a lot of uneven performances at right wing back in recent uh, match days when Matteo Darmian has gotten a chance to start. Darmian has been really good where Hakimi has been kind of uneven. So I kind of wonder if seeing Darmian get some shine uh, the last couple of match days might have given Hakimi some extra motivation. And I know he's not going to go up against Bologna every single game, but they had no answer for his speed, his first touch. Uh, Dribbles were excellent, scored two goals in this match. The first goal was really well set up by uh, Marcelo Brozovic. The second goal was really tremendous individual effort to cut inside use his speed. I mean, Arturo Vidal did have a nice switch pass to set up the play, but then it was a great individual effort from Hakimi. Uh, Romelu Lukaku scores again. It was an interesting goal for him to open things up because initially he had misplayed the volley, but he got kind of a fortunate bounce that it fell right back in front of his left foot and he put it in on the second effort. I've got to give Jerry Mancini some credit because Jerry has continued to sing the praises of Roberto Gagliardini and he had another solid workman-like performance. I'm never blown away by Gagliardini's champagne football. You know, he's not a polished player, but you can understand why a guy like Antonio Conte appreciates Gagliardini because, you know, the positioning tends to be good. The end product with him is usually awful. Uh, He had a chance at a free header today that he put like 10 feet over the crossbar. So you're not going to get great quality in the final third, but Gagliardini works really hard. Um... The defense for Inter, you know, a clean sheet was too much to ask for, I guess, in this one. They had the 2-0 lead in the second half. They got turned upside down in a lapse uh, when uh, when Bologna got one back to make it 2-1. Handanovic also incredibly slow and sluggish-like. You know, I, I thought that uh, overall, over these you know past three games where Inter is on this three-game winning streak, including Champions League, Antonio Conte has tactically done a much better job where he's not putting everyone in the opposing box on the attack because that has really uh earlier in the season created just horrific balance issues when he brings his center backs way up and then there's really no spacing you know a lot of times the midfield there's a huge gap between the midfield and the back three Uh, you haven't had that in these last few games he's not been putting so many bodies up in the opposing box so the spacing and the balance has been better Uh, so that's a lot of the good stuff now on the flip side I'd love you guys' opinions, if you have one, on 
what Conte has been doing this season to try and humiliate Christian Eriksen. Now, I get it that clearly the Eriksen project at Inter has not worked out, and some Interisti try and 100% on Conte, others try and put the blame 100% on Eriksen. I think it's maybe 40% Conte, 60% Ericsson, because when you're a guy who technically has world-class abilities, you have to find a way to adapt to a league quicker than he has. But uh, so, but at the end of the day, um, if they can get a decent offer for him in January from a club you know, he doesn't mind transferring to, he's going to be gone in January unless the market is just so dry for him. I find it hard to believe Erickson is going to be here, you know, beyond uh, a month and a half from now, but you know, we've seen it a few times this year and in the 91st minute Conte subs Erickson on. And if you've seen, if you saw the look on Erickson's face, I mean, whatever hairline that he had left, you know, 11 months ago when he, it's completely dusted. Like the guy is 70% more bald than we when he first arrived at Inter look completely miserable and you know the English commentators called it an insult to sub him on at the 91st minute someone was telling me they were watching the Spanish commentary they called it a slap in the face I'm not really a big fan of, of the way that um that Conte has been has been doing this lately because you've seen it a few times where Erickson gets subbed on you know in meaningless situations 91st 92nd minute um, and I know that Conte has a history, you know, with, uh, you know, Diego Costa and stuff that he's had a history really pissing off players and antagonizing players. But I just think it's a bad look because when when other, you know, potentially world class players see the way that Conte is handling a situation like this, it's got to be a real turnoff. I mean, if you've decided you're at an impasse tactically and this guy doesn't fit your project, then either play him or don't play him like like don't don't bring him on to humiliate him in the 91st minute i'm just what do you think i'll I'll go to you first on that nando uh i'm a big christian erickson fan i've been a fan of his since his tottenham days so like i know exactly what you're talking about world-class talent he's the type of guy that can change the game he's invisible for like 80 minutes in the 80 in the 81st minute he decides you know what Fuck it. I'm going to take a shot. He scores. I'm going to make a pass. Score a, a game-winning assist, right? That's the type of talent you're dealing with. And I and I really don't think Conte appreciates that. He's not the type of guy that's going to, like, uh, that's going to be tracking back to win the ball, like, like an Arturo Vida. Like, I, I personally, like, that's a player, like, that's he's, – he's a big liability for it. I find every time he's in the field, he's not quick. He's not – like, he's not the old Vidal, but, but that's the type of guy – Conte wants a guy that embodies Conte, basically, right? So that's why I think back to your point. That's why I think he likes Gagliardini because Gagliardini has that grinta. So does uh, so does Vidal. So when you look at a guy like Ericsson, who's more like an artist, you know what I mean? Like um, who could we compare him to back in the? Let's compare him to a guy like Rui Costa or like a, a, a number ten from back in the day or Juan Sebastian Veron. You know, these guys like were artists. They would, you know, they would make that killer pass, that that beautiful shot. So this is what you're going to get with Christian Eriksen. So I know Conte tried to adjust his formation to a 3-4-1-2, where he played Eriksen behind the two strikers for a bit, which, I don't know, I, I, saw, I saw those matches. He, he didn't look great. He didn't look that bad. But, I mean, 40-60, I think it's 50-50. I, don't, I think Conte kind of pulled the plug a little too quick with Eriksen, and Eriksen you know, didn't seize his chances, didn't seize the opportunities the way he should have. But at the end of the day, it's like 
Yes, you're right. He is a world-class talent. He, like, I wouldn't say he's a world-class player right now, but he has world-class ability and world-class talent. And yes, he should have uh, he should have seized the opportunity, but Conde should have just been a little more patient with him. Remember, he came in January. Yeah. Uh, it's not he did not train. He did not have the, uh, the summer training schedule with the team. He did not. Uh, he came from another team in another league, right? He has to adapt to a culture. There's so many different variables here that weren't going his way. And then COVID happened. So it's like everything that could have went wrong went wrong for Christian Eriksen. And I don't know, what was it, a three-week uh, three um, camp before the Serie A season this year? So it's like the guy never had time to really settle down. And, you know, and he never had a chance to, to convince Conte of his talent. So, but, I, but back to our conversation yesterday, a guy like Allegri, would come in and would appreciate a guy like Ericsson would make all the difference. So, yeah, that's my two cents. Um, yeah, that is very humiliating of him to play him in the 91st minute. That's the that's type of player you send on that's like 36 years old and one, you know, that's playing. Right. It's going to retire. Like in our situation, uh, Jerry, someone like, I don't know, like Marco Parolo wouldn't care to be subbed on for the 95th minute, you know, or 91st minute. It's like, you don't do that to Ericsson. Either play him or don't. Like, right. Mate. Clear. Make it fucking clear. Like this is a guy that was gonna that was valued a hundred million euros just a year ago. Like a hundred million euros. It's like, and all of a sudden Conte. I don't know. I, that's why I don't like Conte. You're right. You did that to Diego Costa too at Chelsea. The guy was his leading scorer, won him his title. You know what I mean? Or what was a big factor in that title win in, in 2016. Yeah, and just like and, and Jerry, I'll give you a word on it. And, and Nando hit it on the head. And like the the reason why it bothers me is that. I just don't like Conte, first of all, trying to ruin the vibes of what was a decent performance, right? I'm not I'm not going to remember this Bologna win for the rest of my life, but it was a relatively calm, routine performance from Inter. We don't get a lot of those, so I appreciate it. And then Conte tries to, to ruin all the positivity by doing that with Ericsson. And I also think it just it sends a bad message, right? Because prospective players who may be thinking about coming to Inter and playing for Conte, like they see that and they're thinking, you know, what if this guy ends up treating me the way that he's treating Erickson? Like, I, I just, uh, I, I don't believe that's the right way to handle this. What do you think, Jerry? As a, as, as a neutral, I like watching it because to me it's like, <laughs> it's mutiny. It, it, it creates, right. creates, creates distraction. Chaos. It is. Chaos, Yeah. So for me, I, I love when I see Conte do this. And well, would you like it if it happened on your club? I probably wouldn't even realize it to be honest. But <laughs> had the had the commentary never said about thirty six caps with his home country and what he's done for the World Cup, and I get it. But there must be a reason why that Conte is going to this level against Ericsson. Maybe it's his attitude in the dressing room. Maybe there's something that is a rift between the two where it's really stemmed him to get to this level because we've known that it's been cited that Erickson has this attitude where even with Tottenham that there was a lot of dislike towards him. So I, I don't know. I don't really watch enough Tottenham to like in the past to know what kind of player he was just reading about him. It, it, it's it's a formation that doesn't suit him. He doesn't play in a three five two. I don't know why they even decided to get him. Um, yes, they could have adjusted to him and his style of how he how he plays. But can he play as a second striker? Yes. But where do you put him? Because you got Alexis Sanchez, you got Martinez, you got Lukaku. Could he be the fourth striker? Yeah, he could be. And then you could have like sent out Pinamonte on loan. 
Um, would he be a better choice in the midfield? Um, like like Nando said, and I agree. You got Gallardini who gives you that that different element. I always say like that Grinta, that that worksman like where he can win balls, he can he can close down spaces and 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 allows Brozovic to to play his kind of game. And then you got Barella who, in my opinion, he's kind of that that attacking midfielder, that creative player that is doing Ericsson's role and he can play all around. He's like an all around kind of guy. So where do you put Ericsson? But there, there is probably a space where you can put him, but I don't know. To me, was it the right decision in an interest perspective? The way you see it? No, it probably wasn't the right decision. Um, I don't think players give a shit what, what happens to Ericsson, what they do. Does it give a bad image? No. I hope if, you're right. Yeah, it, it I, does. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking that a bit. At the end of the day, when you go to a club, you do your role, you do your thing, and you can't. I don't think players look at what's happening to other players. I think players have to focus on what needs to be done by them. An example, and I'll go back with Immobile, with the whole coronavirus and the COVID cases and trying to destroy his image and. There was a time where the fans were on him because he wasn't scoring goals last season and uh, in the later half. And then he, this was a guy who was immature, but he's developed and got to that level where now he's earned the respect. I remember last year he got benched against Parma, or he came. I have he came sub. He got subbed off, and he was so pissed off. The next game he was he started on the bench against Inter, came on as a substitute, and then he patched it up. I think that with Ericsson, he hasn't patched it up with Conte. And there's this difference now where you got a player who thinks he's more superior than his boss, his manager. Whereas Immobile didn't think he was more superior than his manager. He understood that he made a mistake. He owned up to it, publicly apologized, and went with his business and knew that his game was what he had to focus on. And since that day, he has been a better player because of someone Zagi. Now, has Conte tried to fix the problem? I probably think he did. I honestly think that, and, and it's been stated by Pepe Marotta. I think it was Marotta who said, we screwed up getting this guy. He was not the right player. And they probably see the traits of this guy, characteristically, where he he's a, a walking disaster in the dressing room. Because had he been an issue... Or had this been an issue? Because it's not the first time. They're, look at their performances recently. They're playing much better. And I, I, I just don't buy it. You know what? It, it has to stop now. But I, I think that Erickson's at fault here. And he probably didn't learn from his mistake. He probably wasn't happy about his role or whatever it may be. I think that he should have taken this in closed doors and just asked, just send me away and that's it. But... Yeah, which which may may have even already happened. Eh? From from what I've heard uh, behind the scenes, uh, Inter have supposedly told he and his agent essentially find another club, like find another club, and and we'll do whatever we can to facilitate a move in January. So yeah, we'll find out within a month, month and a half, and and maybe that will be that. But hey, I appreciate uh, both of your time today, uh, Nando, for being clutch and coming on to help us review these games. Where can people find you on social media and the web? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nando underscore Magnus. And uh, like I said, follow me for some Lazio, some Calcio, and some uh, current events. And I always talk about random stuff. <laughs> and I love it. I, I love random Twitter accounts. And, and Jerry Jerry is great on Twitter. 
as well. Jerry tweeted something today about wanting to marry Chido Immobile, and I oh, said yeah. that that's a typical Jerry tweet after a Lazio win, like a, a Lazio win where Immobile is scoring. Jerry Mancini is popping the question, so I love that. You can yeah, follow him at jmancini8. You can follow me at Alex Dono. So, sorry to cut you off. You had something else? I said, get in line, Jerry. <laughs> we're both on. We're, we're both on his list. <laughs> I actually sent him a, a long ass message on Instagram. I'm one of those horny guys where it just basically says like, "You slid into the DM." It was just an inspirational message, and my wife's like, "Oh, you you did not do this, did you?" I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't know if you read it or not." But I gave her the shot. I was hoping he respond, but. I'll, I'll keep waiting. <laughs> you never know. Maybe we'll respond someday. So awesome. You guys can follow me at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. Make sure you follow our show on Twitter at CalchoConPod. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, subscribe to the audio podcast. You can find us Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you get your pods. Just find Calcho Connection. Subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcho Connection podcast. Ciao.